The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Traffic in front, kicked out. Here's Sekra. Back to McDavid. Up top is Raddies. Interior pass. One-timer score. Ethan Bear, his first NHL goal. And Edmonton strikes on the power play. Big moment for the young man, Ethan Bear, on the power play. His first NHL goal. It gave the Oilers a lead. At 12.42 of the third period, but as you have seen far too often against the Anaheim Ducks, it's a lead the Oilers can't hold. Anaheim tying it with a minute 29 left, and then Hampus Lindholm winning it 121 into overtime. 5-4 Anaheim is the final. They dominated the third period, coming back from a 3-1 deficit and then the 4-3 deficit to get a big two points tonight as they try to nail down a playoff spot. The Oilers have to settle for the overtime loss. Their record now 34-36-6. Connor McDavid, three more points tonight. He's up to 99 on the season. Four-point lead on Kucherov in the Art Ross race. He has 45 points in his last 27 games. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 10:29, along with former NHLer Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Well, Rob, I think we should start tonight with some kudos for Ethan Bear, who we've seen some good things from while he's been up with the Edmonton Oilers. Also got an assist tonight. Man, his first NHL goal, but he looks like, <laughs> looks like he'd done that about 100 times. Very nice Play. Well, well, you look at the two points that he had, the goal and the assist. He, he looked like a veteran on both plays. The the, the assist that he got was a, a wonderful play to dry sidle where he, he, he cocked the stick back, got the, the goaltender Gibson to come flying out at him, and then all in one motion hit dry sidle perfectly for the one-timer from the side of the net. That was a beautiful play by, by Ethan on that one. And then the goal. And their offensive players or offensive defensemen when they come up to the National Hockey, there's going to be struggles at times uh, with the speed of the players, playing in your own zone, stuff like that. But what you can tell is they're comfortable in offensive situations. And on the goal that he scored, that you can tell he's done that in junior before. You can tell he's done that in the minors. He found a quiet spot behind the defenders, behind the penalty killers, put himself in a good shooting position. And that, it sounds easy, but how many times have we seen Connor McDavid over the last three years hit guys on the opposite side of the ice who have stopped the puck, dusted it off before they shot it? Ethan Barrett didn't do that. He put himself in the perfect shooting position, and it was on and off his stick. A goaltender has no chance on a cross-ice one-timer. Bear made it look easy. Good for the young man. Hopefully that's one of many. But, however, the Oilers couldn't hold really two leads. 3-1 after two. The uh, Ducks came out storming in the third period, got two goals in the first six minutes, and then with Gibson just on the bench and an extra attacker on the ice, Henrique got credit for the goal. Montour threw it in front. I thought, you and I thought it might have gone in off nurse. Uh, either way, the Ducks tie it up. And the shots in the third period, Rob, were 22-6 for Anaheim. Well, the, the puck did go in off nurse. I don't know if it hit Henrik first, but it went off nurse, hit his pad, then hit his hand, and then went in. That's why it was so hard for, for Talbot to understand where the puck came from. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks are desperate. Uh, this was a game that they needed to win. 
to, to continue going forward. It seems like all the teams in their division or in the, the Western Conference are winning each and every night, and they want to keep pace. They're down 3-1 going into the third period. It was simple. Throw everything you have at the Edmonton Oilers and hope you get a break. And I know that Jack and Bob talked about the fact they got some puck luck, but they created their puck luck because the puck was in the offensive zone. It was in the Oilers' zone the entire third period. They took pucks to the net. They had bodies in front of the net. Uh, there was tips. There was rebounds. Uh, they had they, Twice they got breakaways in the third period off of broken plays. Just uh, The Oilers were scrambling, and, and the Anaheim Ducks took full advantage of that. So uh, this was a Duck that is a veteran team that does not, as we've seen in the playoffs, as we've seen earlier this year, it does not matter what the lead is. They still believe in the themselves that they're going to come back in a hockey game and tonight you saw that there was a, a a very very valiant effort by the Anaheim Ducks in the third period and at the end of the night they got two points because of it so they're third in the Pacific Division with 91 points the wildcard teams are Colorado with 90 and St. Louis with 89 LA is the best non-playoff team they also have 89 points but St. Louis has a game in hand so right now they get the higher ranking in overtime there was just one shot Lindholm able to pound it through Talbot at 121. Raquel and Getzlaff got the assist. The Oilers never touched the puck. The Ducks won the opening faceoff and held it. And we've seen teams circle back in overtime a lot. I mean, McDavid and Dreisaitl <laughs> do it all the time. But we have never seen teams <laughs> circle back inside their own blue line like the Ducks did tonight. Well, a, a few things. First, when they put the starting line out, lineup out, everyone knows who the Oilers are coming with. They come with Dreisaitl and, and McDavid. Despite the fact that sometimes they have three other players standing on the ice before they drop the puck, it is always Dreisaitl and McDavid. And the Ducks countered with Kessler and Getzlaff, which I'm, I'm sitting up here, I'm like, okay, they are great five-on-five players. But three-on-three this much ice, they're not going to be able to keep up. But what they did is on the face-off, Getzlaff was simply there to help win the drawback. It was a 50-50 battle for a puck off the face-off. Getzlaff beats McDavid, puts it back into his own end. He changes. Out comes Silverberg, who can fly. And then it was, uh, they. I, I think all three ducks touched the puck twice. All three bucks, ducks at one time stood behind their own net, and not all, they, they. They got to the blue line like five times, and then they went back. And it was almost like they were playing rope a dope. Okay, we're gonna come out now. Now we're gonna come back, and hoping that maybe McDavid and Drysaddle will get bored and change. Yeah. And eventually, the ducks got their guys off. They got a change. And Raquel came out, who, who's got speed, and he's, he's got nice hands. He makes a great play at the blue line because he almost knocked right into Getzlaff. He had to maneuver around Getzlaff, maneuver around the other defenseman. And as you said, the Oilers never touched the puck in overtime because Darnell Nurse tried swatting the puck as it came off of Raquel's stick. He missed the puck. It went right to Lindholm, and I think it surprised Talbot. that the, uh, A nothing play, a play that looked like Ra- Raquel was dead, going one on two, turns into a shot, a good quick shot through the five hole of Lindholm. So uh, the Anaheim Ducks, I don't know if it was planned, what they were doing. I don't know if they kept going behind the net and they couldn't see anything. I don't know if there was that fear that unless it's something perfect, we do not want to turn the puck over to McDavid and or Dreisaitl. But whatever they did, they better bottle it up and sell it to the rest of the teams in the National Hockey League because that's the first time we've seen a three-on-three where McDavid and Dreisaitl did not get a scoring chance. So the Ducks win it 5-4 in overtime. The Oilers one goal short of us turning on the Japanese Village goal light on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Whenever they score five or more in a game, you can go print up a free appetizer coupon to Japanese Village, three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. You can get us at 780 
780-496-0063. We'll welcome Tony to the show. Hi, Tony. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Uh, good game, bad result. I'm sorry, but there should be some kind of uh, discipline on if you just keep on going around and around and around and around in your zone. Sorry, but you can tell every you can tell how scared the Ducks are of McDavid just by the fact that they won't even let him do that. And it was nice to see that Kessler wasn't all over McDavid's butt tonight. He actually let him skate. Uh, kudos to Bear for his first angel goal. And um, you guys can quote me this, this if you want. I'm saying McDavid ends with 110 points this year. He's on fire. No one can stop him. And the only way they stopped him tonight was keeping the was keeping the puck away from them in overtime because I guarantee you if he would have had that breakaway, Gibson would have been done. Thanks, Tony. Well, I mean, he's up to 99, still with six games left. Could, well, he, could he get 11? <laughs> well, the other he day I, I said 110 was my guess. I said 106 was the over-under. I think he's going to hit over. I, he just he makes it look easy. And, I mean, there are points being left on the table, and every player leaves points on the table each and every night where they, I could, they could have had an assist here, they could have had a goal here. But his are in bunches because there's a number of times where the puck just wasn't finished for him or he wasn't able to get the puck past uh, Gibson another time. Uh, he, he's playing as, as good. This is a, a run as good as he's ever had in the National Hockey League. And he's playing uh, at a level that uh, very few, even when they have their runs, can match. Uh, he's, he's got line mates that he's had now for uh, what's it, six, seven games in a row now. They are complimenting him well. I don't know if at the beginning of the season, if you would have said, you know, Ty Ratty on the right wing with McDavid, is, there's going to be success there. But he's greasy. He does the right does the right thing all the time. He does the little things. He gets in the right spots. Uh, he compliments him. And and it's worked very well thus far. And, and as we've said with Ty Ratty, each game he goes out and plays well, he earns himself another shot on that line. And tonight, I thought he was very, very good again tonight in creating things and allowing Nugent Hopkins and McDavid to create things around him. Patrick, is Tony our finish the play guy? Yes. He is. Okay, great. Tony, we're looking to give you an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park. Jet Set Parking, one-night stays or long-term parking. Find your perfect match from five fifty a day at jetsetparking.com with promo code JET. Here we go. I'm not sure this is all that legit here. Edmonton penalty to number 25, two minutes, high stick. I think Silverberg got himself with his own stick. Man, I'm telling you, he's taking some acting lessons there. Yeah, that's that's a bit of a sell job. Hollywood Studios are going to be calling him. Tell us how you really feel, Jack and Bob. <laughs> I thought he got. I, I thought he got high sticks in the face. I thought, I thought nurse's, nurse's stick didn't, on him. He yeah. didn't, he didn't, nurse didn't mean to do it, but I thought it was nurse's stick that came up. Tony, did Anaheim score on their power play there? Yes or no? I want to say no. But you should say that because that's the correct answer. Anaheim 0 for 2 on the power play tonight. The Oilers were 1 for 4. Thanks, Tony. I know we'll hear from you again. You win, finish the play tonight. Oilers lose 5-4 in overtime. Tony brought up the the Ducks tactics in 3-on-3. I'm just looking at uh, Bruce Arthur, who writes for the Toronto Star, very popular columnist. Uh, He's been an award-winning columnist in Canada, very uh, interesting guy to read. He's tweeting, Anaheim just won the worst three-on-three overtime of all time. (laughs) Give hockey coaches enough time and they will ruin everything. What a disgrace. Uh, Well, you know, (laughs) the thing is, I don't think that that was a planned play. I honestly believe... Oh, sure it was. No, I don't think so. I told them to do that. I don't think so at all. 
I don't think so at all. I think they kept coming out, and I, there is a fear factor when you're playing against McDavid and Drysaddle. And unless there's a perfect play, I don't think they they all right. There's perfect not play. Well, now somebody go back. somebody planned it. I, I don't think so. I really don't. You think they improved that well, for a minute and a half? McDavid and Dreisaitl, were they not still on the ice? When they, they stayed sm- on yeah. the whole time. So then why would they not just, why, if they were planning it, wouldn't they not have waited till they left the ice? Well, they waited for one of their speediest snipers to get well, the Well, why wouldn't they start with their speedy? Why wouldn't they start with their speedy Well, because they're waiting for McDavid and Dreisaitl to at least get a little fatigue. Well, they, and were, then, and then, they were tired. All they did was stand Raquel, there. Well, I, I know. I, I just think that that, I, I, don't think, I think that was a coaching I, tactic. Maybe Carlisle will say something I hope he does, because I honestly don't think it was. I think that. I mean, I think that they honestly were looking for plays to make. There weren't any, and they just kept. But, but you, but you just said they changed right off the draw. Well, I think the so. Getzlaff. I think Getzlaff was out there for the faceoff. Okay. Simply for the faceoff to try and win the draw, which is still a gutsy call because if the faceoff gets one straight back, well, now you're done. Mm-hmm. You can't get off. But he was out there. I don't know if Kessler pushed it straight across to him, but I don't believe that that was a tactic that they actually tried to do. I don't think said, so. okay, we're going to make nine circles in our own zone. I honestly don't. I think that they just that but they, they were didn't see trying nothing. to but they they were trying to get McDavid and Drysaddle off the ice. I mean that was a conscious decision. I don't know why would you say that Drysaddle and McDavid weren't getting tired, and they never left the ice and they attacked with them out leaving the ice. Because if they were, if that was a thing, try to get them off the ice, then why would they not have just kept on doing that then? Well, because I think eventually they thought if if they I think they probably wanted one of the forwards to go at one of the Oilers forwards, like Raquel finally went in on McDavid. Yeah, but that wouldn't be a tactic of going around 100 times to get those guys to leave the ice. That goes against what you said, though, because they still went on the ice. A tactic going well, out either, of forward. They're, they're, either, they're either trying to get them to leave or they're trying to get a matchup to go. Well, that, okay, a matchup's fine. I understand that. The Oilers try to get matchups, too, all the time. Everyone does in three-on-three. Three. You're trying to get a fa- fast forward against a forward. You always try to do that. I do not believe that they actually had a tactic where they're going to stand in their own zone and, and hope that Connor and Leon were going to change because they weren't going to. They weren't tired. We've seen them play almost the entire overtime well, no, when they're skating. So I'm not, they're not going to leave the ice there. And then they, eventually they did attack them. So I, I just I think, was they, I think there was more of a fear factor. They didn't want to turn the puck over, and unless they had the perfect play, they weren't going to try anything. Well, it looks suspicious to me. <laughs> suspicious. Well, I can tell you one thing: it worked. Well, it does work, and I, I don't have a problem with them doing it. I, I just, I truly believe it was planned. Okay, I, okay, I disagree, and we're gonna have to somehow get a hold of Randy Carla and find out. Well, we'll get him on. We'll have the Ducks post game on. Um, but I, like Tony said, I, I Tony asked, I, I don't think you can make a rule. I mean, I don't think you can put a shot clock in or say teams can't go back. Well, there is there is a rule that you you have to keep moving the puck. You can't stand because it was who was it a couple of years ago? Tampa was standing in their own zone and they just kept passing oh, the puck when across. Was when Boucher coach, was yeah. yeah, and they they because you Philly and there was a face off yeah. that was and they because they wouldn't forecheck. Right, but Tampa was moving. Or excuse me, Tampa Anaheim was moving today because they kept making it to their blue line and then they would go back and then yep. they go to their blue line and then they would go back. It was. I, I thought it was quite comical. I was like, yeah, "This is." And well, then well, I it thought was, it was frustrating to watch for for Oilers fans. Well, oh, they were booing. Trying to. <laughs> but what I what I was the one thing I thought may happen is one of the times they were going back. I thought that one of the Connor and or Leon was going to smack the guy's stick and the guy was going to put it in his own net as they chased them down. So it was, it was, yeah, it wasn't as exciting as most overtimes that we see are. But for the Anaheim Ducks, it was as productive as it could possibly be in a desperate time for them. All right, 5-4.
The Ducks win in overtime. The Oilers are coached by Todd McClellan. His comments for GCL Diesel for genuine diesel parts at great prices. Visit GCL on the West End or online at gcldiesel.com. I don't know if that was the strategy. They got possession, and just like most teams, they don't want to give it up for uh, for nothing. So they held on to the puck. They turn it back when they didn't have anything. Um, nothing that we wouldn't do. We want to we want to maintain possession, and when they. Uh, when they finally got a chance to strike, I think we broke the play up, but we poked the puck to them. Connor happened to poke the puck right to them. So um, it was, uh, you know, it's frustrating when you're the team that doesn't have the puck, yet if we had the puck, we'd be happy with the way that play was going on. So uh, give them credit. They won the opening face off and never gave it up after. Did you guys run out of gas in the third yeah. period? Did they just decide, hey, we're we're in a playoff battle? Well, a little bit of both. I thought that their big uh, their big boys really picked their play up in the in the third, and I thought we ran out of gas. We've uh, we've played a lot of hockey. I think we played three sets of back to backs in less than two weeks, and and traveled a little bit. I think it's catching up. We're uh, we're a tired team, not only physically but a little bit mentally. Um, started. Indifferent, I thought tonight we had to wake up between the first and second and push, and we did that, but we just didn't have enough left in the third. Talk about Ethan Bear scoring, it looked like it might be the winner. Yeah, happy for him to to get his first goal. Um, he's had a few good looks like that, and it's finally gone in for him. So, um, big night for him. Something he'll always remember. Pass. He's getting more and more confident, and that comes with time. Uh, we talked this morning in the scrum before the game about, um, you know, how long it takes for a young man to to develop and, and evolve as a defenseman. We're still talking about Darnell doing that. So uh, Ethan's moving the needle as he's here. He's uh, he's continuing to uh, to gain some confidence, and um, you know it's good about it now is it's not just a pat in the back we can hold him accountable a little bit let him feel what that's like if things aren't going as well and um, gaining valuable experience it's a tough night for cam three tips i mean they score four goals but it was one of those nights where yeah i thought Tal's was really good he had to scramble a lot their big bodies were whacking and jamming at a lot of pucks um you know the deflections uh, I think it was the second one in particular. There's not much he could do on the one that tied the game up off Darnell's glove. Uh, that maybe would have went right out of the zone depending on, on the angle it took, but it hit Darnell's glove and went in, so uh, a bit of bad puck luck as well. Uh, Kajula, when he got hit in the face, did it look like he got hit in the teeth again, or what happened there? No, he got hit in the uh, in the upper helmet area, so he had to, I don't know if he needed a new helmet or a new visor, but uh, he was back right away. Okay. All right, that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Kajula got the puck up high, and Matt Benning inadvertently blocked a shot with his helmet on a huge goal mouth scramble in the third period as well. So, yeah, the Oilers and, uh, always find a way to get banged up against the Ducks one way or the other. The Benning, the Benning one's scary. It's one yeah. where you fall down in front of your net, and there's nothing you can do because you know that the puck's coming. All you do on those is turn face away from the puck and hope that it doesn't hit you. Unfortunately for Benning, I, th- I think he actually got his hand up 
just in front of his head before it hit him because as he was going off, he was shaking his hand as well. But those are scary. I've been in that position, and you're hoping, oh, please don't hit me. And then Kajula. I mean, I don't know if there's any more teeth to knock out. So, right. I mean, it would, I think it would just go right through with the big gap he's already got in there. But, again, those are the ones where it hits you in the face, and first you see, you'll blink twice to see if you can see, then you lick your teeth to see how many are still left. Ducks take it 5-4 in overtime. $100 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. They give $25 every time the Oilers score. You can track the total on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. All right, you can get us at 780-496-0063. We have Sean standing by. Hello, Sean. How's she going? Good. Well, I think this game kind of summarizes the whole season. It's we come up short at every friggin' turn. And uh, to me, there's the three things with the Oilers. Uh, I think we've been seeing them since 2010. And that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, we've got Connor. And, I mean, that top line looks awesome. The dry side of the line looks really good, dangerous. Um, and you know what? The strong line looks like it's it's going to click at some point. It's looking good, too. And I even give the fourth line credit. So that's the good. The bad, our defense is still... I mean, we got Nurse as a highlight. Uh, Ethan Bear looks like there's something there. But, I mean, after that, it's it's crapshoot whether we're going to get beat on the corners. Nobody finishes a check in our own end behind the net. Benning might once in a while. Getzlaff skated around with the puck in our end. Oh, what? Every time I had the puck, they let him skate around and around. No one would hit him. No one would touch him. It was absolutely brutal. So that's the bad. And the ugly is the coaching. So what? Ouch, 12 to 1 and no friggin' timeout. And then you talk about how tired your parent or your players are after the game. It just blows my mind. I just, I don't know. So that's the summary of the season, in my opinion, how this game went. Okay. Thanks, Sean. 780-496-0063. We'll also bring Robert onto the show. Hey, Robert, thanks a lot for calling. Hey, guys. How you doing? How you, how you doing tonight? Good. Well, uh, well I've, uh, I've a thought tonight on Bear. It was, it was, nice, it was nice to see him score his first goal, and I like and I agree with, with what you guys said earlier and how he drifted to that quiet spot to get himself open, and McDavid made the pass, and as soon as he got it, he let it go. Didn't stop it, got it, shot it, boom, goal. And now my, now my second thought tended to be on Talbot. Honestly, in my opinion, I think Talbot played good. I wouldn't blame this loss on Talbot. I mean, like you guys had talked about, you had said three of the four goals were deflected in front of him. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you know, there's not not really much a goalie can do about that. Yeah, you're right. I, I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, the, the tying goal, the 4-4 goal, uh, it hits Nurse twice before it goes in the net. Talbot's got two bodies in front of him. And I'm a tough team to play against as a goaltender because as of all the teams that we've seen this year, they crash the net better than any team uh, out there. They always have bodies in front. They take pucks to the net. They throw the puck from anywhere. They're good at tipping. I mean, Cogliano twice had t- high tips that Talbot made nice saves on. So uh, it, it's, it's a, a fight 
for a goaltender in games against the Anaheim Ducks. And, I mean, uh, th- there was a lot of good in this game for the Edmonton Oilers. I think that they were undermanned a bit, and not having Clefbaum in the lineup hurt them tonight. The fact that they played as many games as they have had lately, and I'm sitting waiting to play against them. And Anaheim, frankly, is a better hockey club than the Edmonton Oilers right now. They're fighting for a playoff spot, and the Oilers have been out for a month. So uh, they're, the Oilers are, have put a pretty good stretch together right now for a lot of reasons. Starts with Connor McDavid and obviously Cam Talbot as well. Uh, to me, I, I see more positives out of today's game than negatives just simply because there's so many things that went right for the Oilers before the very the final the collapse in the third period. But uh, I don't know. I think I'm glass half full on this game with Edmonton. Ducks win at 5-4 in overtime. Anaheim coached by Randy Carlisle. His comments for BDO First Call Debt Solutions, Bankruptcies and Consumer Proposals, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. Randy, how do you best explain that? Well, I, I think that uh, we were in a, certainly in a funk for the first two periods, and then we made a decision that if we were going to get ourselves back involved in, in the game, that we were going to have to play to a much more passionate level and be more determined and execute to a higher level and everybody get in, involved in, in playing the game the right way. Maybe, what was the atmosphere, at least like, in between periods in that room? Because it looked like you guys were a completely different team when you came out for the day. Well, you have to credit the players, you know. You know, they made a decision, and, and, you know, we talked about it and had a discussion on what was happening out there and our level of execution and our non-movement of our feet and allowing, you know, the opposition to dictate the pace of the game. And they made a decision that that was enough. When the urgency isn't there, how do you, what do you do to get it? Or is it? I don't know if you could call it the urgency not there. It just seems like that we've played a couple of games in the last little while that our work seemed to be in some sort of a funk where we think we're working, we're not working, where our passing is not on, we're not playing fast enough, we're not physically and emotionally involved in the game. And, you know, tonight was two periods of that, and then for whatever reason they decided that that was enough. And they went out and executed and played to a much higher level and forced, you know, the, the, our will up, upon the opposition, and we were rewarded. It sounds sounds like whoever it was, people were fed up. So yeah, well, again, you know, this is a, a, a an intense time of the year, and you, you, you want to nip those things in the bud, but. As we said, uh, we, we felt that we'd played two games pre- previous. The one in Calgary and the one in Winnipeg was similar script, and w- we, we could not afford to let that con- to continue. And, uh, you know, they're the ones that to be credited with uh, you know, making the, the conscious effort and the change in their attitude about how, what that had to be done. How huge is this to cash in this opportunity when it's obviously appeared that you might not be able to cash it in? Well, again, you know, I've learned in this game that it's never over till it's really over. It takes 60 minutes to win hockey games, and at that point, you know, we, we acquitted ourselves poorly for 20 for the first 40 of it, and the last 20 was... You know, it was a good, solid period for ourselves, and we found we scored early, which gave us a lot of momentum. All right, that is Ducks coach Randy Carlisle. Scott Johnson working the visitors' room here for 6.30. Chad, 5-4 Anaheim wins in overtime. Scoreless first period. Shots were 12-11 for the Oilers. 
10-3 at one point for Anaheim. Oilers got some shots late in the period. Edmonton outscored Anaheim 3-1 in the second period, outshot them 14-4. And then, as we mentioned earlier, shots in the third, 22-6 for the Ducks. Just came out with tons of energy. We're all over the Oilers, and then the only shot in overtime by Anaheim winning. Uh, the one caller asked about a, a, a timeout. I mean... Well, if the team is fatigued, 30 seconds is not going to make a difference in a, in a timeout. Um, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, as a coaching staff, I, I mean, you want your timeout in case at the end of the game you need to set up a play um, to somehow, you know, if, if you're down a goal, pulling your goalie, you always want a timeout at that point because if you start, you have the McDavid line out and you call a timeout, then you can put him back out there again. Uh, I mean, the Oilers did have a lead. What time did they have was left in the game when they got their lead again? So f- with that, twelve seven eighteen to go, Bears. Yeah. Sport. So I mean, you have a you have the lead with seven and a half to go. I mean, I don't think a lot of coaches in the National Hockey League are going to call a timeout at that point. So I mean, I I don't see a, the timeout being a a difference maker in this hockey game. I think the Anaheim Ducks and, and Randy Carlos said it best when he mentioned that they scored a goal early. And I know that sitting in dressing rooms, when you're down a couple goals, the one thing that players always talk about, let's get one in the first five. And then you have belief. If they go through the first five, seven minutes and they don't get that goal, all of a sudden they sag a little bit on the bench and the belief starts to to waver. But when you score a goal early, now you're just down a shot and you pick it up and you get a little more intense, you get a little more energy. And the Oilers, on the opposite hand, when you give up an early goal, now you're thinking, oh, God, they're only one shot back. Things aren't going right for us. Now my legs feel a little more tired. So that was a big goal early in the in the third period for the Anaheim Ducks. The Ducks rally to beat the Oilers 5-4 in overtime. Ethan Bear gets his first NHL goal. You'll hear from him after the 11 o'clock news. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Lindholm, 30 seconds, banks it off the wall, dish down low, wrist shot save made by Talbot. On Ricard Raquel, what a chance for Raquel, and Talbot saves the game. Gets the Oilers into overtime, gets off the feed to Raquel, and Talbot stones him. That was with 27 seconds left in the third period. Shortly after Anaheim had tied the game 4-4, the Ducks would win 5-4 in OT on a goal by Hampus Lindholm. That save of the game by Camp Talbot for Arcan Trailer and RV Center, Alberta's favorite RV dealership now carrying motorhomes. 780-496-0063. We will bring Jared onto the show in a minute here, but a big story tonight. Ethan Bear gets his first NHL goal. His remarks for GCL Diesel. For genuine diesel parts at great prices, visit GCL in the West End or online at gcldiesel.com. Get much lanes to the net and then, um, you know, we're just kind of cycling around for a bit trying to, trying to open up some lanes and then, um, you know, that, that, time, that time came, I went down and, you know, uh, Dale made a good pass so, and then I just tried to bear down and, you know, make sure I put it in and know it went in and it was just, it was a good feeling after that. Your first one and you always hope it's a Bang. Cool. It's not one of those ones that's off four bodies, man, I guess. Yeah. You know, that was right on the tape and bang, it's like. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was a good play. It was just back door, and, you know, you just, you know, when you get a chance like that, you want to bear down and make sure it goes in, and, um, you know, it's, 
it's, uh, it's a play I'm going to remember for us, Molly, for sure. I don't, I know there's a lot going on in the game, including the game, but uh, your mom was in, you know, in tears, the family was snapping photos, there was just lots going on. I'm not suggesting you could see any of that, but just understanding the support they've given you, important. The school means kind of the, the whole family yeah. and maybe the whole area. Yeah, no, uh, no, they've, the support they've given me throughout the years was tremendous, and, um, uh, you know, like, you know, just going down the stretch, you know, everyone was always saying, like, hey, it's coming, it's coming. No, it's everyone was kind of hoping. So, uh, you know, to get that first one, it feels really good, and I'm, I'm sure they're happy. So I just can't wait to go see them after this. Congratulations. That's Ethan Bear. Brendan Ulrich working the Oilers' room, and Brendan also posting on the 630 Chet Twitter account. Nice photo of Ethan Bear holding that memorable puck. Nice goal. Nice Beautiful goal. goal. Beautiful goal. Snapped it right in on the one-timer. The Oilers couldn't preserve the lead, though. They lose 5-4 to the Ducks in overtime. All right, we have Jared on the open line. Jared, good to hear from you, buddy. Go ahead. Uh, I've got uh, three quick questions here for Rob. The first one is, at what point of this year did you really feel that the Oilers were out of the playoffs? And then the second question would be, at that point, how do you accurately evaluate the season so like let's say after those those big losses after christmas into january we say well that's when they were out or maybe they get their last big losing streak but what does it all mean like what do these games mean that they're winning now how do you evaluate that and then then the last question is what are the expectations for next year for the Oilers? is it a are they getting you you know is the media going to play it up where the Oilers going to come back or is it going to be kind of subdued where we're not going to expect much? What do you think of that? Uh, I, I think the first question uh, it was, was it right after Christmas where they, they gave all those games back? Because They went 1-6-1 one, one out of the Christmas break. Yeah, yeah. I, to me that's that's when uh, it, they put themselves in a position that it was going to be too, back to, too far to come back from, I felt. Uh, I thought that was a lost season. As far as evaluating now, uh, I think you can evaluate to an, uh, to an extent, but it is much easier to play when there's no pressure on you. It's like, it, my analogy is if, you, if, you're, if you're a golfer and you got a three-foot putt with your, you're, you're out there with your kids and you have a three-foot putt, you walk up and you drain it nine out of ten times, but you're out there with your buddies, you have a three-foot putt and there's 50 bucks on the line, all of a sudden it's a much harder putt to make even though it's the exact same length. So right now it's much easier for the Oilers because there's no pressure on wins or losses. Having said that, you still evaluate the players and, and the type of effort they put in if they still stay with the details, uh, doing the little things right. So there's some evaluation with you know with the, the players that are on the bubble. And there are going to be a number of bubbles teams because even if the Oilers play, continue this good play going down the stretch, there's still going to be quite a few points out of a playoff spot. So they got to figure out a way to get how to get better for next year. As for next year, I think the expectations are going to be that the Oilers will be a playoff team. I think the expectations within that room is that they can win their division. Um, I felt that last year they overachieved. I think this year they completely underachieved. I think they're somewhere in between. I think this is a team that should be a playoff team year in, year out. Uh, And had Talbot played like Talbot can play, this team right now would be battling for a playoff spot. But specialty teams and goaltending was not near good enough this year for them to be a playoff team. Those are the things that they've got to improve going forward next year. Ducks win this one 5-4 in overtime. Five of the last eight regular season games between these two teams 
have been tied after 60 minutes. The Oilers won the previous four in either overtime or a shootout. So I guess the, the Ducks were due to get this one this evening. Hampus Lindholm, the overtime winner. We're going to hear from him in a couple of minutes. The three stars, by the way, announced in-house here. Ethan Bear, nice story. The first star, Connor McDavid with three points, up to 99 on the season is the second star. Adam Henrique with... Two goals is the third star. Rob's going to pick the fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. Well, I, I still, and we talked about it, I like the game of Ty Ratty. I, I think he is a guy that not many would have expected to fit in as well as he's fit in playing with Connor McDavid, and he is not overwhelmed by that position. Continues to do the little things right on that line, creating things, creating space, and tonight was the beneficiary of a good bounce off his foot and in the net, but it was because he was in the right spot in front of the net. So if my four starts tonight was Ty Ratty. And his call-up and his work on that top line is our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. And to get back to Jared's question about evaluation, because it is a good one, and a lot of people say you'd be careful about mm-hmm. success down the stretch, success when the pressure is off. But, I mean, you've said it well, Rob, for Ty Ratty, the pressure's on. Oh, it is. Because he, if he doesn't make the most of this season, is he, not, not only is he in the NHL next year, is he in North America? Yeah, I, is he in Europe? Is he Is he anywhere? Oh, he, right? he, so, he, yeah, I he, mean, maybe, I don't think he would drop no, off the pro hockey he would scene. Be, he'd be somewhere, but... but He's making maybe the question mark about his future a little smaller. Well, yes, because and, and now I don't know the exact rules anymore because it's been a while. But there's a there's a rule in the minors about how many veterans you can have on each team. And Ty Ratty, I would imagine, would be a veteran now. So there's uh, the American Hockey League is is a young kid league. It's it's a developmental league, and once you get to a certain age, uh, you're there's not as many players of his age that are going to be playing down there. So yeah, it he's he's came up here and this was his shot to prove that he deserves a contract from a National Hockey League team because his other option would be going to Europe and I, for for some guys they're looking for bigger contracts for, for, for other guys they're looking for more ice time next year. Ty Ratty's looking to stay as a National Hockey League prospect and what we've seen thus far is not only does he want to be a prospect or a call up or a tweener he wants to be a regular NHL player and everything that he has done thus far has been the right thing. Uh, his work ethic, his battle, his compete, the little things, the details. And I know that he's, he's, he is benefiting, obviously, by playing with Connor McDavid, but he's doing something that no other player outside of Nugent Hopkins and Drysaddle has done, and that has been consistent on that line. And uh, he's going to get another shot again against another good team. And the, the, the good thing right now, these, these games don't mean anything to the Oilers stats-wise, obviously, but it certainly means something to the teams they're playing against. And we saw tonight Anaheim's push in the third period. These teams are desperate. Columbus, another team coming in here, desperate for points. So Ty Ratty uh, may be playing in garbage time when it comes to Oilers standings, but these games are big for, for, for the, the teams that are fighting for their playoff lives, and he's part of that. And at no time have I seen him look out of place. And there's been times where Ethan Bear, who is a great story, and I think he's got a wonderful future here, and when he has the puck on the stick, there's some nice things that happen. But there have been times where he has been overwhelmed in these games, where he has been a little out of place, and that's you got to expect that. He's played 13 games. Yeah, so and, yeah exactly. Happen. You have to expect that. And all, and all players, 
But Ty Ratty hasn't. Now, obviously, the fact that he's, what, four years older, three years older? He's than 25, he, yeah. Yeah, so he's got that experience. But he's still, he's playing on Connor McDavid's line. And he's playing, so when you play with Connor, you play against the Ketzlers that gets left. You play against the other team's top defensemen every single time you step on the ice. And he's looked comfortable, and he's looked confident, and he's, uh, to me, he's a guy now, he's, he's earned another contract, and now you've got to decide what kind of contract it is. Yeah. Ready with a goal tonight, his fourth of the season for the Edmonton Oilers. However, the Oilers lose 5-4 in overtime because this guy scored in the extra session. Hampus Lindholm for BDO First Call Debt Solutions, Bankruptcies and Consumer Proposals, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. How do you explain that? <laughs> Selling tickets like I told Frenchie. I don't know. It's we, we didn't really, the first two pairs we were really not there at all and uh, we were lucky Giva kept us in another game and uh, at least this time we could respond there and help them out with get a get a win so that was huge for us and for the soccer club especially that third you look you I'm sorry you like you guys look completely different coming out in the third were, were some words said in this room in between periods? of course but end of the day it was more about just every guy looking at himself in the mirror I think coming out I think it started with us D really skating the puck that's what we talked before the game but we never really did it and then we started and we got that goal a great shot by P there and good tip and then we just got going and as soon as our D when we start moving pucks we help us far forwards out a lot and I think that creates a lot of offense for us and that's something we got to keep keep doing more your goal just I mean it, it Ricky made a move there you, did you just see the puck and just instantly or yeah, how would you describe it you try to shoot as quick as possible obviously I knew Ricky Ricky I saw he was going to challenge him so I just try to get in position if he would beat him he could pass me but they ended up coming right to me I just shot it and I didn't see it go in but it was nice that it got in what were you guys thinking for that overtime because they never touched the puck no, uh, obviously, obviously overtime is about possession and uh, like if you can tire them out and we got a good change there and uh, I think that's how we need to play and uh, we haven't really been that successful in overtime before and I think a lot of goals scored against us has been that we've been taking chances offensively and you get punished pretty quick against quick teams like this. There you go, Reed. Thank you. Scott Johnson talking to Hampus Lindholm and that is one story for the Ducks this season. In games tied after 60 minutes, so including overtime and shootout results, they are now seven and thirteen. Mm-hmm. So they've had a lot of a lot of games tied, and by contrast, the Oilers. Well, they're now eleven and six. In just games decided in overtime, the Ducks are now three and six. So the good thing is, I mean, in just wins now, they have four wins more than the Oilers. But they're way ahead of them in the standings because they've been in more games. Well, the, the Anaheim Ducks, because they're such a good team defensively, they, they're going to be in every game. And they try to get that extra point. They try to get to overtime. But they are not built for overtime. They don't have a McDavid. They don't have a Nugent Hopkins. They don't have a Dreisaitl. They are, if they go to an overtime in the playoffs, well, that's a different story. That's a team that will wear you down over the course of one, two, three, whatever overtimes it takes. But when you're playing three-on-three, three, I mean, Getzlaff is a... Uh, He's a half. If, if he's a, if he's a basketball player, he'd be the guy that they would start the 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 offense where it'd be a standstill offense in the off. It's not a fast break type of offense. And Perry plays that way, and so does Kessler. So it's a team that, as he said, you can't they can't trade chances because if they turn the puck over, they don't have the speed to get back. And then when Lind- Lindholm just talked right there, the way they were handled this overtime period is they they couldn't 
take a risky play. And that's why they kept coming out and looking. Okay, the play's not there. We're going to go back because they, they've been burnt too many times. I remember watching one, I think it was last year, where Getzlaff did a drop pass in the middle of the ice and gave the other team a breakaway. They oh, yeah. Did, yeah, remember <laughs> that one? So they, they, they don't have the horses to play three on three. So that's why they, they're a team that will get to the overtimes and they'll have success in five-on-five five playoff overtimes. And when it comes to three-on-three, three, this isn't that's not their forte. 5-4, the Ducks take it tonight. Adam Henrique gets credit for two goals for them. Perry Manson and Lindholm also scored. Raddy, Dreisaitl, Bear, and McDavid, the goal scorers for the Edmonton Oilers. As we check the advantage, trailer rentals out of town scoreboard. If you missed it earlier, uh, what a week for Jennifer Jones at the World Curling Championships in North Bay. 14-0, and gold medal win today in an extra end, 7-6 over Sweden. So I guess maybe Canadian curling isn't as uh, wrecked as a lot of people were saying. After, no, uh, I, after I the think, Olympics. I think they're doing all right. And the one, her one, I think it was her number two. It was that was her last ever uh, curling match, and she went out as a world champion. So, oh, but I've watched all the curling in the Olympics. We watched the 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 which is it called the, the mixed, mixed the one, mixed, the mixed doubles. And yeah. I watched the one today. It's like nine hours long when you watch a normal curling one. Right. The mixed was about forty-five minutes. I think it. I think I started watching this morning at ten a.m. and it ended at seven p.m. But it was very interesting <laughs> and good for Jennifer Jones. Penguins in the NHL beat the Flyers 5-4 in overtime. The Canucks take down the Stars 4-1. Dallas really struggling lately. Jets beat the Predators 5-4 in a shootout. That was a good game. Bruins over the Wild 2-1 in overtime. Brad Marchand, five overtime winners now this season. His name's got to be mentioned as well as an MVP. He has put that team on his back. The Dallas Stars, that's eight straight losses now for Dallas. And I, I love the man, but I don't know if Ken Hitchcock survives this. Is This is the way that their team ends. Although I watched the highlights, letting him play net, and he was terrible. Oilers get a point for an overtime loss this evening. 5-4 Anaheim, Anaheim takes it. Edmonton's record 34-36-6 with a game against Columbus coming up on Tuesday. You'll hear from Connor McDavid. He leads the NHL with 99 points. Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, this is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 6.30 chair. In overtime, Anaheim beating the Edmonton Oilers 5-4. The Oilers had a 3-1 lead after two. The Ducks dominated the third period and eventually got a Hampus Lindholm winner in overtime. Chris is our face-off trivia winner. Who led the Oilers in power play goals last season? Chris knew it was Milan Lucic with 12, so he gets a $50 gift card to Bubbles, courtesy of Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. The Oilers, the worst power play in the NHL this season, but they did get a goal with the man advantage tonight. Ethan Bear, his first NHL goal. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, it's 11:23. We have Greg on the line. Hey, Greg, thanks for calling. Hey, Reed. Uh well, thanks for having me on the air, and uh, hello, Rob. So, um, Rob, I just want to disagree because um, you mentioned overachieving for uh, last season, mm-hmm. right? So yep. um, this is uh, – I think when you say overachieving, you're suggesting the Oilers had a uh, limit of some sort. Um, is that is that fair to say? I No, I, when I say overachieving, I didn't I – th- I thought they had nine guys or eight or nine guys had career years last year. And I didn't think that they were capable of doing that again this year. So that's what I meant by okay. overachieving. I didn't think, I think that they're somewhere in between. I don't think they're a 106 point a season team. I think they're a, a 96 point season team. 
So I think that they've underachieved this year because I thought they should have made the playoffs. And I don't think that they were as good as they were last year. I think uh, Cam Talbot's play masked a, a lot of nights where they were not the better team in the games. Okay, yeah. Um, I personally think, like, for example, yeah, Latestu had an incredible season last year. Uh, there's no debate about that. Um, and, yeah, a lot of guys, I, I agree, did have great years. Um, I, I think the reason they just lost to the Ducks in the second round is because, well, I think there's two main reasons. For one, uh, the officiating um, went in the Ducks' favor, uh, it seemed to me. Um, and then secondly, uh, Getzlaff just seemed to overpower uh, the Oilers in the seventh game. So. Okay, now when, it, when I call, say they overachieved, I had, I had, not, had nothing to do with the playoffs. And that was just as a regular season team. I thought they overachieved. And when it comes to the playoffs, I don't care if you're a number one seed or if you're the number 16 team going in. Playoffs is about health. It's about goaltending. It's about specialty teams and anybody. And it's been proven every year. It does not matter where you finish. You have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, Nashville last year, they were the eighth seed, I believe, in in the West. And they go to the Stanley Cup finals. So uh, I think the getting to the playoffs is where I'm talking about. And I don't think the Oilers' season was as great as it was, points-wise. I thought a lot of things were mass. Connor McDavid was exceptional, and, and Cam Talbot was all-world. And I think they covered up some warts last year. I think, But then this year, I think they underachieved. I think Cam Talbot didn't play to his potential early. I think the power play has been abysmal when it should be much better than it is. And I think they're, they're, they're a team that should be in a playoff race right now with what they've got on their lineup. So that's why I called them overachieving last year and underachieving this year. Okay, uh, I, I guess that's your perspective. I, I personally believe they have the talent and ability to uh, win the Cup, but of course that never happens. So uh, let's see what happens uh, next season. Uh, take care. Yep, thanks, Greg. I mean, I, I'm one of those I, I understand what you're saying, Rob, and we've talked about this a mm-hmm. lot. I, I'm also... I still think you you earn your record. You make a play like if you if you make the play, you get the goal. You made the play and you get the goal. Maybe you might be doing things unusually. And like you said, guys last year, Maroon, Latestu, um, I mean even Connor and Leon, though now they're doing it again this year, had, had never done had never done that before. Mm-hmm. Talbot had never had a good season. I mean it's almost it's almost like you're saying, okay, if you were to like. Simulate this season in a computer a hundred yep. times. Yeah. The Oilers' average point total this year would be exactly, higher, and that's what I'm doing. What that's is, what right. I'm doing because I, I felt that I didn't think Maroon was going to be. I don't. Th- I think he was better than he really is last year. I think Lucic's year was better than he w- really was. Latestu. Well, now Lucic's year this year is worse. Yeah, and, and I think and I think he's a better player than he is this year. Right. So that's why I'm saying those players. I didn't think they could replicate. So that's why when you asked me at the beginning of the season what, what the Oilers were going to do, I said they were not going to be as good as last year because I didn't think they could replicate because everybody everything went perfect for them last year in the regular season and I just don't think that that was they were as good as what their record showed I think they were uh, there were warts I think there were there was a lot of puck luck I think the some players I mean they had everyone has a career but usually they don't all have career years the same season I think last year that just all came together for the Edmonton Oilers 5-4 the Ducks take it tonight 780-496-0063 we have Wayne standing by hello Wayne hello there how you guys going? Good. Just, uh, I don't know, you might be able to file this under irrelevant question, but just curious, do the Oilers still do that retreat to Jasper at the beginning of the season? And do you think that that was, like, 
important team building for the guys at the start of each year. Sorry, Wayne, I... I, I he asked, he asked if, if the Oilers did their Jasper retreat this year at the beginning of the season. No, in training camp they used to Oh, do. no, they did not do that this year. I don't know if they've done it since I've been covering the team. They, they've done stuff in Jasper as part of their orientation camp in July. Uh, with the the guys that are newly drafted or, mm-hmm. new, or newly signed, that's usually first week of July. I don't think it was in Jasper this year, though. And, and actually, and then I, used, I think it was in Banff before they used to do it because I thought when. Yeah, and I don't think they've done it every every year. No, and it, but it is uh, anything that's team building is important for a team, especially at the beginning of the seasons. I know that some teams like having their schedule start them on the road with a nice road trip, brings them closer together off the ice. So anything you can do as team building is only going to be beneficial going down the road. You know, yeah, and I'm, I'm sorry I can't give Wayne a more detailed answer, but in the in the five years I've been doing this job, they have not done it. And also with training camp That's now, a lot, a lot of times training camp starts September 15th. You play a preseason game on the 18th. Yeah. And, and with this, I, I'd have to go read the 1,000-page CBA. There may be some limit as to where you can take your team or... It, it, you know, actually, it might be the CBA that stopped them doing that because... It, you can't say, we're going to meet a week ahead of... No, no, yeah. you can only... Because it can only last so long. So I'm guessing that's what it is, is the CBA doesn't allow them to do those things. And Because I'm shocked at how quick their first exhibition comes, game comes when they get to training camp. I mean, they usually start on a Friday and then on the Monday they're playing an exhibition game. So that doesn't allow them time to to do the things that they used to do where you'd have a two-week training camp and five of those days would be spending time together in Banff or Jasper or, I mean, when I was in Pittsburgh, we went to San Francisco, we went to Houston, we went to Dallas, all kinds of cool places. But you just can't do it. all in one day. Well, yeah, we had a a really, really fast plane. (laughs) <laughs> uh, we'll get to Brian on the line here in a second. Oilers lose 5-4 in overtime to the Anaheim Ducks. Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Three points tonight for Oilers captain Connor McDavid. Connor Camp said it felt like they were just waiting for you and uh, Leon to get off the ice there in overtime. What did you make of their strategy? Well, it was a little bit different. I, I've never seen it. I'm not, maybe it was just... Uh, it just played out like that. I'm not sure that they were doing that on purpose, but uh, it kind of seemed that way. But um, ultimately, they, they won the overtime, got the extra point, and um, yeah. Can you discuss uh, Ethan Bear maybe getting his first goal? Just big, big night for him, big night for his whole family. Yeah, happy for him, happy for his family. Uh, it was a big night for for him, and um, you know, it seems uh, the Oilers fan base. Um, you know, I, I know that uh, he's quickly become a fan favorite. Uh, just you know, being where he's from and all that, and and, uh, and we're proud of uh, of him. And, and uh, yeah. How much do guys like you like to play with him? Because he's always looking to move that puck up. He's always advancing it. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely got that offensive instinct. Um, you know, he CHL defenseman of the year. Um, you know, they, they don't just hand that out. So um, you know, he's obviously uh, very deserving of that, and um, they're starting to feel more and more comfortable. Back to this game, a bit disappointing to let it slip away way that. Yeah, of course. Uh, up 3 1 in the third period, you got to find a way to close those out. Um, frustrating. Yeah, well, slipped that's away. McDavid. Thanks, Brendan. Slipped away from the Oilers in the third period. Well, I mean, the Ducks took it away, quite frankly. They, yeah. they dominated the third, outscored Edmonton 3 1 in the third to tie it a couple of times, and then won it in overtime. The Oilers 11 6 2 in their last 19 games, clearly their best extended stretch of the season. McDavid. 45 points in his last 27 games, 99 points on the season. Leads Kucherov by four in the Art Ross race. All right, last call. The night's going to go to Brian. Brian, good to hear from you. Go ahead, buddy. Hey, guys. Good show. Thanks. 
Uh, congratulations to Ethan Bear getting his first goal. It was a beauty. Um, yeah, now I'm going to uh, get on the power play because it, I think it's the, the elephant in the room. Why is their power play so bad this year when they have arguably you know two of the best centermen in the NHL uh, where it's been consistently bad all year? And tonight, the first two power plays were about as bad as I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have a, a like theory or a, 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 an idea why they're so bad this year? Well, we, we've talked about this a lot over the course of the year. I, I, they don't shoot enough. They don't have a... I mean, up until they got Ethan Bear, they haven't had a threat from the back end. So most teams playing against the Oilers don't really force up high because they're not afraid of the, a shot from up high because it doesn't usually come. So they collapse. And when they collapse, they have four guys down low. Now all of a sudden, your five-on-four power play isn't five on four anymore because the scoring threat from the top's not really included. So now you have four on four down low. The Oilers uh, have been a little reluctant to put pucks on net. They sometimes try to force plays across the ice because they had success before on it. And teams are much more prepared this year for them. Whenever somebody's successful at something, everybody goes out and watches video after video after video and tries to figure out a way to stop them. And so, the, te- the teams have done that. So, Rob, so is this a coaching problem or is it an execution by the players? Because to me, if, if my players are not getting it, especially this time of year, they're sitting on the bench. Well, if there's, you, there's it, five new guys going out there because it's either the coaching that's the problem or the execution. Well, I, I, I think it's execution because we, we hear it over and over again from the coaching staff what they're expecting out of their power play, and, and there'll be a game or two where they'll do it or it'll be a couple times in their game they'll throw pucks on net, then the next one they'll pass it around the outside the whole time. Tonight uh, in the game, their first two power plays are horrendous, and then the rest of the game they didn't put a power play unit out there. They just put lines with two defensemen, and that's when they had their most success. When they scored the goal by Ethan Bear, it was two D-men with McDavid's line. And there was one power play where McDavid's line was the third line. Yep. They, they got the last few seconds of the power play. So uh, Todd McClellan did send a message tonight. Um, was the message too late? I don't know. I mean, they've done a lot of, there's been a lot of change on their power play throughout the year. They've had Drysaddle and McDavid split up. They've had Nugent Hopkins on his own. They've had Strom in there. They have had uh, guys in front with Nugent Hopkins and, uh, or excuse me, with Lucic, with Maroon. They've moved those guys off. It, it's just a matter of the players uh, executing what the plan is. And and they've also had, there's been bad bounces. But I, to I, me, think, I think there's been stubbornness yeah. with the coaching too in, in some Probably. regards. Uh, uh, early, I think uh, there's a lot more change in the second half of the season. And it hasn't gotten any better. But to me, the biggest thing, it, they do not put near enough pucks on net. And yep. until they do, you're not going to get you're not going to get the re- the greasy goals. And when you start putting pucks on net, that opens up all the other plays. So right now, the defenders they're taking away all the pretty plays because they're not they're not fearful of a shot. So they're taking all the passing lanes away down low because they know that if the puck goes up high, he's probably not shooting anyways. Or if the puck goes to Connor McDavid on the boards, he's probably not going to shoot anyways because he wants to set someone else up until they start shooting. And then once they start shooting, that's going to open up a lot of other power play options. Anaheim beating the Edmonton Oilers tonight 5-4 in overtime. The three-game homestand will end on Tuesday when the Oilers take on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Listen to it on 6.30, Chad, with the face-off show at 5.30. The game will start at 7. Thanks to Patrick Bauer, our studio producer this evening, and to our engineer, Troy Bowler, here at Rogers Place. On behalf of Rob Brown, 
I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. You can get more on 630chet.com. Ethan Bear, first NHL goal, three points for McDavid, but the Ducks come from behind, a 5-4 overtime decision. Have a great night.